Welcome back to Booze and Buffy, a podcast where we are watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel one by one. There will, of course, be retroactive spoilers for episodes we've already discussed, but no spoilers for future episodes. Ionizing the air so that I look like Elsha Lancaster in The Bride of Frankenstein, I'm Harrison. That is a deep cut, sir. I know. <laughs> uh, and peddling processed food bars, I'm Jason. Harrison, what episode are we watching this week? We are watching Buffy Season 4, Episode 13, The Eye in Teen. This is the one where Buffy officially joins the initiative and immediately earns the ire of one Professor Maggie Walsh. And things just go downhill for that from there, particularly for one Miss Professor Maggie Walsh. <laughs> the Iron Team was written by David Fury and directed by James A. Contner, two uh, two uh, um, powerhouses of the show. And it originally mm-hmm. aired on February eighth, two thousand. And it should be noted that uh, this is the sixty ninth episode. Of Buffy. Nice. Yes. Oh, nice. I didn't even Thank realize you, Buffy that. Wiki. I'm glad you're looking out. So, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Good looking out, Jason. <laughs> Play that intro music. Jason, what are you drinking today? Harrison, I am drinking a glass of my Catholic whiskey, oh. uh, Jameson. What what makes it Catholic specifically? It's Irish. Ah, okay. I've mentioned it on the show before, but uh, there's like an episode of The Wire where uh, McNulty like goes to a cash bar and asks for Jameson and they don't have it. They're like, oh, we do have like this. And McNulty just says, that's Protestant whiskey. <laughs> Harrison, what are you drinking? Um, I'm, I went pretty basic this week. Um, uh, John's gotten uh, out of his... Um, uh, he's come to the end of his cycle of every night we have to have a new and interesting cocktail. Um, so this is kind of how it works for listeners. Like, periodically, John will be like, we're going to have a cool cocktail tonight. I'm going to find some new recipe. And then we'll have a couple nights of that cocktail until we run out of the ingredients and then he'll be like now on to another one and that'll last for like a week or two and then he gets <laughs> like bored with all of the effort that he has to put in and we just end up going back to just like having just basic like bourbon or vodka or and like wine so um his cycle came to an end um he's <laughs> um his period is ended. and now his watch and, is ended. Um, <laughs> no, he's still alive don't worry um so <laughs> He's still with us. Uh, last I checked, which was about mm, 30 minutes ago. Um, but I am drinking a glass of red wine. It's a uh, oh. Cabernet Sauvignon. Nice. Uh, from a um, uh, uh, Boda box. Uh, love Boda. They, they make really good quality wines. Love Boda. <laughs> Come on aboard. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we're off to a great start. Um, <laughs> I think we're just so giddy to not be talking about expecting. <laughs> oh, man. That was so rough. Oh, so uh, rough. But, you know, let's <laughs> let's stick here in the present. But let's I will it. say, uh, how about you make a toast first before okay. I 
Say a comment. <laughs> um, I'm going to give a toast to Mary Shelley. Yes. That is um, on point for this episode. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, um, uh, definitely some uh, Frankenstein-like imagery, um, which uh, there's a, a, an interview that's noted in the... Um, the wiki about the end of this episode by Doug Petrie and like he, uh, he straight up name drops Frankenstein. Um, so yeah, pretty, pretty obvious. Uh, yeah. Uh, so like what, probably like, probably like the fact that, um, I, homage, like the genre of science fiction was pretty much begun by a woman. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I fucking love Mary Shelley. I love, I love, love, love the novel Frankenstein. It's one of my favorites. Me too. Um, it is funny, though, that there is, like, a a note he says about, like, they wanted to do this, like, killed by her own creation thing. And I was like, I mean, Victor Frankenstein isn't actually killed by the creature. He basically dies of frostbite, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so here's to Mary Shelley. To Mary Shelley. Cheers. Okay, can I um can I start off with my overall opinion of this episode? Go for it. I'm I'm fascinated to hear. This is the single most frustrating episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in the entire series, in my opinion. Because I, I can get on board with that. Because this episode shows the potential, and it does it perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um that Maggie Walsh could have been one of the best villains of the entire show. And like, I'm putting her up there with mayor with mayor Richard Wilkins. I'm putting her up there with Angelus. Like she could have been so, so good. So Mm -hmm. showed that off, but then they killed her. And that, that was just a huge misstep. In my opinion, Mm -hmm. I think that, um, Adam could still have been a part of this episode of this season with Maggie Walsh still being the big bad. And I actually would mm-hmm. have been okay if near the end of the season, Adam had killed Maggie Walsh because it would have been much more, uh, it would have been much more like Frankenstein esque, uh, much more mm-hmm. like kind of justified because we would have seen all of the, uh, all of like the stuff that Maggie Walsh is responsible for. And, like, this episode, she is just so damn good. It's like, this Mm. is... Man, she could be such an amazing villain. But we only get all of that. Like, we've had the little bits of buildup, and we only get her going full villain for one episode, and then that's taken away. Which is so... Ugh, frustrating! Yeah. And it's so funny, because... For years, I've I've heard like just you know through on, on the rounds on the internet that that was the intention, um, and that she was, um, it, yeah, intended to be the big bad of the season, and that Adam was primarily going to be like her muscle, um, and I, and that there were scheduling issues with Lindsay Krauss. but I learned literally today while just doing my general research of this episode. Through this interview that uh, from Douglas Petrie, 
that uh, that I that I mentioned earlier that this was always the intent. This is where this is how they plan the story going on going from the beginning, which is just yeah, it's it's such a misstep. It's such a misstep. She's a great character. Lindsay Krause's performance is amazing. And and yeah, there's no we don't get any sort of um follow through on her attempt to kill Buffy in this episode because she's killed. Um, We don't get to get a moment, like maybe, as you said, later in the season where maybe she has to reckon with what she's done. We don't get any of that. Um, It's just, she doesn't get an arc. She gets set up to be a villain and then abruptly killed off. Um, It feels like, actually, um, it kind of reminds me of the uh, thoroughly underwhelming Netflix, uh, the Defenders series, where they cast fucking Sigourney Weaver as the big bad, and then like kill her off two episodes from the end so that she can be replaced by Electra. <laughs> and it's like, why? Why? Yeah, it's just it, it's just wasted potential. Mm. Um, I don't know if like the if the producers felt that um, you know, you know, we had like. We had Mayor Wilkins, who was mostly kind of human. Um, mm-hmm. Overall, I know that deep down he was a demon, but uh, but like maybe they didn't want another human esque villain. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think that this would have been great because she actually was a human. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't anything supernatural about her. She very much had a Lex Luthor vibe. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and it would have been great. It would yeah. have been great. And I think in the end, that might be why this season disappoints me so much. This is why it's my least favorite season. It's not like... There honestly haven't been too many terrible episodes at this point. But... It, it, the, and this episode is really good up until the very end. Yeah. Yeah. And Adam is... I mean, I I, I just... I won't, I won't mess around here. Because we're both on the same page with this, so listeners might as well just know. We are not Adam fans. Um, apologies to my brother, Adam. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he's such an underwhelming villain. There's no personality there. Um, and you'll see that in the episodes yeah. to come. Yeah. And I can't even tell if the actor playing him is doing a good job or not because of how underwritten the character is and how how many fucking prosthetics he has to act through. Um, yeah. He's a good idea, just not as a main villain. But like I said, we'll get to mm-hmm. that in future episodes. But first, we're going to open up with uh, some poker. With yeah. uh, Willow, Anya, and Xander. And I really enjoyed this because um, the the previously on, uh, the last scene that it showed of previously on was Willow and Tara together and um, how they were doing magic. Which was really funny that um, this episode opened up with what looked like uh, Willow trying to cast a spell. But uh, when Xander <laughs> accuses her of cheating, she's like, I wasn't <laughs> casting a spell, I was praying. Um, and uh, Xander comments on how uh, they have no money. Uh, mostly because Anya is like, what's the point of this? We're just getting plastic discs. And it's like, the discs are meant to represent money, because we have no money to represent money. But Xander is uh, on the verge of a 
windfall in cash because he is now selling drugs. I mean, boost bars or whatever they're called. Um, oh my gosh, I I have to agree with Willow's assessment of the these like types of bars that they're taste like nothing and then have a bad after nothing taste. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do like Cliff bars; those are pretty good. This um oh my god, I want to see. Yes, uh, we have such a great, a great line here when um, Xander is, uh, Xander says, oh, it's a shame that Buff couldn't make it. And Willow says, oh, I guess she's out with Riley. You know how it is with a spanking new boyfriend. And I was waiting for it and I was not disappointed. Anya says, yes, we've enjoyed spanking. (laughs) Anya has so many great moments. I mean, it's. I actually had to stop myself while taking notes. I was like, Harrison, your notes can't just be lines of Anya. <laughs> like, um, um, she's, because uh, I also love her, um, her, when she just says like really bluntly, just like, um, like, let's keep playing or whatever. I've got 3K cards. And, yeah. and, and everybody uh, folds. <laughs> yeah. Do you think Anya would be I mean, clearly she won, but do you think in, like, a competitive real poker game where she understands all the rules, do you think her bluntness would be an advantage or a disadvantage? And I I want to just point this, this out point, right now. I know nothing about fucking poker. I'm okay, at this <laughs> point, I would say, um, obviously, uh, we get little hints of, of uh, Anya's growing fascination with money. <laughs> and uh which becomes a huge thing later on uh but um she loves money so much i could easily see her morphing her personality to make it be the most effective in getting money at poker okay and i feel okay. like she would be a fantastic poker player uh okay. bec- she would learn everything if it meant that she would have a one-up on getting more money okay I, this this all tracks with me. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I'm there. Um, this uh, this also reminded me of a scene we get later on with Anya um, playing a game with Xander and another character that is one of my favorite scenes in the entire show. Oh, and they're playing the game of life. Yep. Yes. <laughs> so many we'll, gems we'll in that. Get, in we'll that get episode. to that. Um, <laughs> oh. But uh, basically, Buffy is uh, in the middle of an exercise in which the uh, initiative commandos are tracking her. Took them 42 minutes to track her, and she was able to neutralize all of them in 28 seconds. Because she's our girl. She's our girl. Um, Yes, Professor Walsh is very impressed, and you can tell that Buffy loves it. She's drinking oh, yeah. it up, like which makes which which makes this episode so effective. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so she ends up going to uh, the next day. She's uh, with Buffy, or excuse me, she, Buffy is with Willow and talking about what happened, and uh, and uh, she says like, "Oh yeah, there's Riley," because she sees him walk in. And Willow makes the comment, everyone's getting spanked but me. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Willow, see what you're into. I, I get that. Um, I love Buffy's, what? 
Um, I like that in this scene, Buffy's clearly distracted, but she's not completely ignoring Willow. I I I think that's a night uh, an effective way of showing kind of the distance that's forming between everyone, but it's not so jarring that she like she's still aware of what's going on yeah, in we, everyone's lives. And we have talked about this before when um like friendships are incredibly hard work when you're an adult. Mm-hmm. And when something happens, like for instance a new relationship or uh, a new job or something like mm-hmm. that, basically something that ta- that interrupts your normal flow with your friends, um that can take a toll on a friendship and that's obviously the seeds have been planted in the past few episodes that the group is starting to drift apart. Um, mm-hmm. Willow thinks that, uh, oh, well, I mean, you're still on for t- for tonight, right? And um, yeah, they're going to go meet up at the Bronze. Buffy's well aware. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but she then sees that uh, Riley's just getting, what? what is it that it, he... It's Twinkie. Twinkie. Yeah, that's his only... That's his only food. That's his lunch. And so Buffy goes off to punish him. <laughs> um. <laughs> Step on me, Slayer. <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Listen, I'm the horny one. Don't, that's my job. That's, that's not fair. Funny. You're right. There's so, enough horniness to go around. Especially in this episode. <laughs> Oh, I have some thoughts about that. The most awkward sex I've ever seen. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> when get we to, get to we'll it. Get to that. Um, <laughs> but then we have, I really like this next scene. Giles actually goes to Spike. Um, Spike, As we saw in the last episode, Spike was moving all of his stuff into this new crypt. Uh, needs a woman's touch, as he says. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Spike. We can always count on you for a gay joke. <laughs> I do like that this is immediate. This is an immediate follow up from the previous episode of New mm-hmm. Man, um, as promised. Uh, Giles does give Spike the money that he owed him for helping him when he was turned into a Fjarl demon. Giles awkwardly kind of asks uh, Spike if he wants to, you know, join the fight. And um, even though we saw a few episodes when um, Spike first learned that he could fight demons and he was super ready to go out and you know help buffy fight the forces of darkness he doesn't seem as excited about it now which is interesting but it it also kind of tracks with spike's character he doesn't he doesn't want to be a part of this um he yeah i think he's all about fighting demons and beating people up but he has no interest in doing it with the gang yeah and what we saw in that that episode was just kind of him riding the high of realizing that he can fight demons. Yeah. I, you know, that's what I think anyway. Then we have um, a uh, a nice scene. I like it. Um, it looks like they. It looks like Buffy and Riley are about to do the no pants dance for the first time. <laughs> but it's been a while since I've like been able to just like make up or throw out like random euphemisms for sex. Um, <laughs> but what it actually is is um he's revealing to her the entrance the mirror retinal scan entrance into the initiative and i think that that's a very important point to make because this is this has been the primary part of riley and mm-hmm. when your significant other 
share something so intimate with you that's a that's obviously a big step so i don't i don't hate riley in this episode uh i think he's fine in this episode yeah, yeah. um and uh then he shows off then buffy finally gets a view of the initiative and she said wow you uh you know wow you said it was big but you didn't say it was this big and riley's like well i didn't want to brag so penis joke yeah i liked that I liked, yeah no it was uh, great it was great i liked that <laughs> and then we have um yeah just we have this scene of dr walsh or professor walsh um escorting buffy th- and to- and giving her a tour of the initiative and i really this is just such great talks between them because um it's honestly just great all around. Uh, Buffy mm-hmm. is kind of blown away by the fact like, hey, I didn't know you could hunt demons like this. And Professor Walsh just has this admiration of like, oh, hey, I finally get to show you this because she does see Buffy as, I think there actually is some genuine admiration of her. I think, I think so. Yeah, I absolutely I think, think so. Yeah, and I feel like if Buffy played along with the initiative then um walsh could have easily seen her as maybe even in higher respect than riley Mm -hmm. uh i it is a bit disappointing that walsh so quickly comes to uh distrust her yeah that could easily have been something that was played out over the next couple of episodes as opposed to just this one episode yeah and think of how effective they could have been if they were working together um and professor walsh didn't have this obviously super shady side experiment going on yeah um yeah oh uh an important thing that she does point out to buffy is that um she does uh she points out that they are doing behavioral modification of demons and vampires she shows off two demons is specifically that they took down pretty tough it took eight initiative soldiers to take down so that's like what Buffy putting forth like maybe twenty percent effort. Yeah, um, yeah. I was like, that's a Tuesday for Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, and you know, at this point, it's kind of uh, important to talk about behavioral modification. Um, I think uh, obviously, I um, I feel like there are like some instances of this in the real world uh mm-hmm. whether it be um consent consented or to or not um and you have to think like what are the ethical impl- impl- ethical implications of this of um of changing the way that somebody acts um mm-hmm. even if it is for the perceived good yeah um it's such a slippery slope right it because is it's so easy to say um yeah, put that chip in the vampire so that he, he can't kill anyone. Um, but then you go, okay, but also let's put that chip in the serial rapist. And then it becomes the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing. And you keep, I mean, we see this in history all the time. The goalpost keeps moving. And it's also just... It's very dangerous, as we always, we, we always see. It's very dangerous to let governments um, 
start to make those distinctions of who deserves such and such and who doesn't because eventually you get things like um uh like uh conversion therapy for for queer teenagers um and i i actually i hate the term conversion therapy i it's it's such a watered down term for what is torture it's, actually yeah, it's, it's torture um, and brainwashing yeah um so yeah it's just that slippery slippery slope and giving people so much power to make those judgment calls and you know yeah and remember um over the past few years buffy's stance has changed she Mm -hmm. originally thought that demons were something that needed and it's even been it's even come up before uh the initiative is kind of like early buffy they see demons as something that need to be destroyed and exterminated Mm -hmm. but buffy has learned that not all demons are set out on killing people or destroying the world some of them just you know some just want to go out for a beer yeah r.i.p doyle (laughs) Uh, oh uh but yeah um it uh, it could have been like another cool ethical question to be tackled had Mm -hmm. like and i feel like that that would have been easier done if maggie walsh was still alive yeah Uh, i think the chip was introduced um like the chip was introduced to make it easier to incorporate spike into the main cast without the constant the fans constantly going why doesn't she just kill him um yeah and really it seems like not a lot of further thought went into like how to explore that a little more um outside of just its practical purpose uh in the narrative and uh we do eventually see professor walsh uh go into the lab she goes into room 314, which was alluded to by Ethan Rain, and we saw at the very end of the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in there, she's talking with Dr. Engelman, who is kind of like the head scientist of the initiative. And we see that the 314 is actually a part demon, part human creature named Adam. And uh, what are your thoughts on Adam's design? Um,. Honestly, when you first look at it, doesn't look that great. But then when you later realize that they are taking the parts of these monsters, like the Polgara mm-hmm. demon, and yeah. trying to make this ultimate creature, similar to um, how they were trying to, how Victor Frankenstein was trying to build the ultimate man um, with his creature, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't hate it. Yeah. I think that I think that it I think that there's zero subtlety if he becomes the main <laughs> villain, which he does. Yeah. Um but uh but I feel like as muscle, if he had just been the muscle, it would have been great. Like I, I would have been fine mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. I think I, I like his design in theory. Um I do think that maybe, like, budget-wise, it feels like they bit off a little more that they could chew. Like, they were very ambitious in this design, but I feel like they maybe just didn't have quite the resources they needed there to were make parts it, of it. I think there are parts of it that look know, really good. Like, um, the stitching on the chest. Yes, that uh, looks, looks very really good. cool. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, and we don't really... So, obviously... Um, 
you can kind of figure out that like oh hey they're putting together this this frankenstein's monster uh called adam and uh and then you see later on oh this is how they're doing it but first we have willow meeting up with tara and Uh tara basically tries to ask willow out the way that i try to ask a girl out she's like (laughs) oh hey here's this really cool thing in this case a doll's eye crystal and uh and she's like oh i want you to have it and then um and she's like if you want to come over and we can like do stuff and, and cast spells and everything and uh the minute that something negative happens and it doesn't look like it's going your way and you're like oh okay i'll go <laughs> yeah i was like tara this is a family heirloom you i was grateful that willow turned it down because i was like that's a little that's a little fast um hey but tara's I also trying her best man <laughs> she is she is and i'm very proud of her for for shooting her shot because we, as we've seen tara is very shy um so this is this is a good step for tara but i'm grateful that willow was like I don't think you should be giving me your family heirloom, but I'd love to come over and, you know, see what, with it. see what we can uh, get up to. And, um, but yeah, uh, and she does say that she has plans with other people and that um, she tries to put it, she tries to make, to like put Tara down as gently as possible. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if, if they had said that they that like anybody could have come, I really do think that Willow probably would have invited Tara. Though at the same time, Willow hasn't told anybody about yes. Tara. Uh, I'm so... going to politely disagree, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come at this situation from the queer perspective. Fair enough, you have that. Um, Willow does say like, "Oh, I could have brought someone," but then she doesn't yes. say who she's gonna bring. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I think she would not have brought Tara, even if it was like an obvious "quote unquote" free for all. Um, I realized as I was saying it that I'm like, <laughs> you know, now that I'm like making this observation, I'm remembering that she hasn't. She even like flat mm-hmm. out lied to Buffy that she was yeah. uh, doing magic by herself when in fact she was with Tara. So yeah, yeah. it's very. Um, you don't bring someone that you are interested in. Uh, around people that you're not out out to yet um and i mean i this is kind of i think we're getting into technically spoilers a little bit but i mean come on this is so obvious we kind of threw that out the window with the flower scene (laughs) yeah (laughs) um it's because you are so scared of being found out even if you're like not actually with the person even if you're in still in just like the talking phase um that terror of being discovered is so prevalent that yeah you compartmentalize it you um it took me um even i was even out to my parents um and it took me forever to like officially introduce them to john um it there's just so much anxiety there that um yeah, it's 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 gonna it's gonna take Willow a while to feel comfortable bringing Tara um, into into the group um, in a way that Xander didn't really ha- uh, have trouble integrating Anya. 
so, um, um, much to Willow's chagrin. <laughs> so, do you think, um, just an opinion here, do you think mm-hmm. that Willow, that that is the reason that Willow's not bringing her, that, like, it is romantic feelings? Do you think Willow's even aware of the romantic feelings? Or do you think that um, it's something else at this moment? Because, I mean, the romantic feelings, while it seems that Tara has them towards Willow, I I don't know if Willow is aware of them yet. Uh, yeah, I think it, and it's hard to say because the show really isn't giving us a lot on that front at this point. Um, I'd be willing to guess that it's subconscious. Like, everything I just said about Willow, I don't think this is a conscious, like, like thought process that she's having. I think it's more of a, just a gut internal fear that she can't quite put words into that probably, and I'd say that's probably what her, um, her feelings for Tara are as well. I, I think she's definitely in this, what are these feelings that I'm having? I don't, know how to how to how to express that if that was the if that was the intention of the writers Mm -hmm. good job because that's like that is deep. yeah i'm gonna say this whole arc here that willow's having right now i think uh especially considering that there are no to my knowledge um none of the writers on the show at this point um were queer or if any of them are they're not openly queer um but it, it it is one of the most honest portrayals i've ever seen of that discovery yeah I, I i really like it um good job and i i look forward to uh talking about it as it grows it kind of reminds me of my first like real crush on a boy in high school um before i had even kind of figured out myself that i was gay because it literally was just like i really want to be around this person a lot and i mm-hmm. like talking to him a lot and i want him to like me a lot and i want to impress him a lot and i and like what does that mean and like i think i said that to a friend of mine and she was like you have a crush on him and i was like no i don't think so i don't i don't think that's it <laughs> i'm not i'm not attracted to um, boys but that is i mean that is kind of the that's the frustrating part about being a queer person living in a heteronormative world is you i don't doubt it as uh, growing up you you don't get as much um opportunities to explore that because it's not you know, it's not talked about, it's taboo. And I was quite lucky to be able to to have some a, a, a safe place to explore that um, in my peer group. Not everyone has that. Um, um, this is uh, Queer Theory with Harrison Kaufman. Um. <laughs> hey, no, man, I'm, I'm always happy to, I'm always happy to hear that because, I mean, it, it increases my understanding yeah. of, uh, of everything. Yeah. And, and I love talking hopefully. about myself, so this is, this is great. This is... <laughs> Me. <laughs> uh, Anya, Willow, and Xander are just kind of hanging out at the bronze. But when uh, when she does finally show up, she not only brings Riley, which was kind of expected, but actually all the other initiative guys as well. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a um, it's a celebration because Buffy is now officially in the initiative. She has both her security pass and her pager uh oh 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 sorry i I need to go back real quick to um to the initiative because i forgot how funny this was when professor walsh gives buffy like the paperwork and she's like that does not leave this 
this this base. So once you finish reading them, you have to eat them. And in universe, the joke just lands with a thud. <laughs> and Riley has to be like, she's kidding. But in my living room, I was like, ha! Professor Walsh no, no, is fucking it's, hilarious. It's, great. it's like it's one of those people that like uh, she is one of those people that is no nonsense. And when she does throw a joke out there, it's so it usually blindsides you and it's hilarious. That was great. It was so so good. Willow brings up the concerns that I had in the last episode of Buffy. In that she's really mm-hmm. rushing to put all of her trust in the initiative. And um, I think initially it was because of Riley. But I also think that now she... Sir Walsh as a, um, hey, this is the kind of person that I want to work with. Mm-hmm. And uh, and also, like, when we're... when. Uh, when I'm done working with Riley, then we get to go to work. Mm. <laughs> um, Willow also brings up... Um, so yeah, she she expresses these concerns, and she brings up um, some concerns that they actually we kind of skipped over this, but they that she Willow or she Xander and Anya had talked about in that opening scene, and I want to highlight Anya's concerns specifically because it, it's a it's a really interesting through line in this episode, and I I do believe it continues to be a through line for Anya throughout the rest of this season that as an ex demon she feels. As she chooses, as she says at the top of the episode, I choose to feel threatened. Um, and it's kind of interesting how Buffy kind of brushes off their um, their fears um, when I think I think their their concerns are valid, in particular Anya's concerns. Um, yeah, and everybody's kind of feeling even before the events of later on in this episode, everybody's, Everybody feels more comfortable holding them at arm's length. And, uh, mm. and you know, all of these fears are justified, as Buffy later finds out. Yeah. Um, everybody, all the initiative dudes, pagers go off, and Buffy's goes off as well. And uh, so they all kind of, like, head out. And Willow's just like, oh, wow, Buffy was, it was nice seeing Buffy for a few minutes. But uh, Buffy and the Commandos are, uh, they have this, uh, they have a, um, oh god, what's it called? Briefing. They have a briefing. God, way to go, Jason. Been podcasting for over a year now and you (laughs) couldn't pull up briefing. Uh, They're having a briefing and they are out to target the Polgara demon. Uh, But yeah, basically like he's got... Bone Check blades bone that come blades. out of his rib. Check off bone blades. Uh, but um, Doctor Engelman says that uh, they want the hostel captured, and they especially do not want the arms damaged. Gee, I wonder why. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Buffy, oh Buffy, she. Um, I feel that. Most of her questions are valid. I did too. Yeah. I, I, I was like, I mean, yeah, some of them are like, some of them I was like, okay, I can see how this is irking Professor Walsh. But I was like, some of these are tactical questions. This is information she needs to know. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to go into it in this episode. 
because I feel like I'm going to say a lot of feelings about it. But <laughs> when Riley talks about how in the military you learn to take orders and not ask questions, um, that, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, like I said, if I wanted to touch that subject now, we'd be here for another hour. <laughs> and we've got so much more to talk about. We've still got half the season to go for, for these thoughts. <laughs> we do. Um, and uh, so... The team does head out, and Forrest is a little jealous and a little sexist because he says, uh, God, man, I was always Riley's second in command, and uh, and now he like, just picked a girl. Uh-huh. And I'm like, dude, just just ask Riley out. I Thank you. <laughs> I literally I was about to say, like, so we're in agreement that Forrest is madly, madly in love with Riley, right? Like... Um, okay, so here's something that I've... Actually, you know what? Here's something that I do want to talk about. Uh, I recently was able to hang out with my with my friend, uh, friend of the show, Ben Gerhardt, in person, uh, because we both have been vaccinated for over two weeks. Hooray! And uh, it was such a delight. Got to hug him and everything. Like, I miss hugging so much. And uh, look forward to hugging you, Harrison. Oh, thank you. And John. Uh, but, um, one thing I did talk about was kind of like my recent thoughts on toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. And I'm also going to bring in Lord of the Rings into this. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, um, so here's the thing. We look at the relationship of Frodo and Sam in Lord of the Rings. And there are lots of people who make tons of jokes about how, oh, Sam was totally in love with Frodo it even got to the point when the movies were airing on TBS, there was like um, around Valentine's Day, I think, um, that one of the years that it was airing, TBS made commercials that like had like weird romantic music playing whenever Sam <laughs> and uh, Frodo looked at each other. And what a choice. I'm not. S- <laughs> what? I said, what a choice. And I'm not saying that um wanting to think that there is some queer that there are some queer feelings towards another man is bad like i mean if that's the way that you want to read it good for you mm-hmm. but i feel that oftentimes people especially non-queer people read that as just kind of like oh god why don't you just like kiss him already or something like that and um, I, I'm not saying that's what we were doing in this past scene. I'm not saying that's what we were doing specifically mm-hmm. for this episode. But I feel that um, that's another part of toxic masculinity. Yeah. And um, one thing I love about Lord of the Rings is that it kind of, even outside of Frodo and Sam, like you see it between Gimli and Legolas, you see it between, um, like, as Boromir's dying with, uh, with Aragorn, I think that toxic masculinity has prevented men from being able to have close friendships. Like, we're not allowed... uh, Straight men are not allowed to, you know, hug their best friends. They're not allowed to, like, say things like, I love you Mm -hmm. to their best friends because it's depicted as feminine or gay. And, I mean, I'm not... And, hey, like I said, gay readings are there. But I also feel like I don't... 
I don't think that we should also discount like the fact that, hey, sometimes friendships are deeper than that and toxic masculinity has prevented that from happening. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, there's no you're you've you've really hit the nail right on the head. Um, the I like, yeah, listen, I'm going to read queer readings into whatever you want. Um, I do. Um, I like adding them when they're, there's, they're not there in any way, shape or form, but, um, but yes, the part of the problems with toxic masculinity is that, yeah, any, any portrayal of any intimacy between two men is automatically considered gay, feminine, um, whether in real life or in fiction. And, um, it's, you know, that idea is slowly thank goodness eroding away but but yeah it's still very very prevalent yeah and i and i do have some friends that like do not feel comfortable with me hugging them and i don't think and i think that there are some that just like don't like being touched which hey that's perfectly valid Mm -hmm. but i think there are some that are just they like um and there are parts of my life that i've noticed lately have been just completely dictated by what society says a man is supposed to be Mm -hmm. and i and i hate it i mean i know it's not the same type of prejudice that um you experience as a gay man but i feel like if if there is a prejudice that i've experienced in my life that's it Mm. um that's that's my prejudice and i like and i'm trying to overcome it um but it is is some deep programming man Mm -hmm. i mean i it took me years to feel comfortable hugging my dad because society says you know at a certain age you're a man and you shouldn't do that anymore yeah it's like he's my dad like yeah are are you worried that me hugging my dad might be gay um so yeah guys (laughs) if you care about your friends go and hug them like obviously once you're fully vaccinated mm-hmm. um and with their consent and with their consent yeah but like don't be afraid to like tell your friends how you feel like you can say i love you and not mean it in a romantic way like mm-hmm. love is in all different forms yeah i tell people i love them all the time and it's always sexual so forest sees spike going through the, <laughs> going through the forest Poor Spike. All he wanted to do was buy blood and cigarettes. And <laughs> and Forrest immediately spots him and sends his team after them. Uh, so here's a little goof. Spike is able to like kind of uh, throw one of the initiative guys at a tree. And they get hurt. And there doesn't seem to be any sign mm. that the chip has an effect on Spike. So um, I think that was a little goof. Uh, I didn't know whether it was that. whether it was like through from James Marsters or from a directing standpoint from Contner, but uh, yeah, just something that I noticed. But uh, they do end up shooting him with a tracer, and uh, but Spike is able to escape. But then we have this scene where uh, the demon that the Polgar demon that uh, Riley's alpha team has been looking for shows up buffy and riley team up and fight it together what the buffy wiki does not say (laughs) is that 
interspliced between the footage of fighting is Riley and Buffy's first time having sex. And this is soups awkward. It's... I, it, listen, I think James A. Contner, I think we've seen time and time again that he's a really good director. I, this was a misfire. Um, not the this, biggest misfire of the episode. Well, yes. But yeah. Um, we won't blame that on him, though. He didn't write the episode. But, true. like, this sex does not look pleasurable. It right, looks so, like a choreographed sex scene. H- hang on now. <laughs> I want to say that I think this sex scene is actually extremely hot, but it's it has the feeling of awkwardness being interspliced with this fight scene. I actually, I, and I think like no matter how hot a sex scene is, which I actually think this is pretty steamy, especially for Buffy, that um, it uh, it just doesn't work when... They, like, are, they're obviously trying to equate, like, oh, yeah, beating up demons gets me super horny. We're back to faith. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, remember Buffy's ex? Uh, yeah. <laughs> how, how, how she thought uh, slaying makes you hungry and horny? I mean, apparently she was not wrong. Yeah. But, yeah, it's just so awkward. And I think the most awkward part of it is the music, which is, it feels like it's meant just for the sex scene, yeah plays while the fighting is happening and i don't know it's like it's like playing let's get it on during like the battle of helms deep (laughs) i need that fan edit (laughs) (laughs) um Uh, sorry i I didn't realize i was going to reference so many lord of the rings stuff but i've I've actually watched the trilogy twice recently i Um, actually have two (laughs) once for me and then uh, after I was like telling my uh, sister in law that I had watched the um, that I had watched it, she said that she was sad that she's never finished it because um, she like would typically fall asleep during Return of the King. So we actually watched um, one movie a night over a couple weeks. We watched um, the trilogy, and this past Saturday we watched Return of the King, and she was so happy that she finally got to see the end of it. And she really liked it overall. I watched, um, yeah, I watched, I usually always watch the extended editions, but I also have the theatrical on DVD as well. So, like, sometime, I'd, I, like, recently I'd watched the all the extended editions, and I was like, you know, I haven't watched the theatricals in a while. I should give those DVDs a, a good run through. And it was so weird watching those, because I was like, wait a minute. Where's where's this scene? Where's this scene? Yeah, I honestly uh, <laughs> feel like after you've watched the extended editions like twice, you won't be going back to the theatrical yeah. cut. Especially at the point when it came to the point where I was like um at the end of Fellowship of the Ring when they're like I W the Fellowship of the Ring and then Mary or Pippin, I can't remember which one is like, "Great, where are we going?" I like stood up cuz I was like this is where the disc the disc change happens. Um, and then it, the movie just kept playing, and I was like, oh, okay, guess not. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it should be noted that uh, while Ugh. Riley and Buffy are having sex, <sighs> it is revealed that there is a camera in Riley's room, along with a camera in every other initiative's uh, room, initiative member's room, and Professor Walsh is watching this. And just like unblinking. Yeah, no, and Ugh. I 
So I like this for the reason that it adds just a layer of sliminess mm-hmm. to the already growing um, villain, uh, the already growing villainy of Professor Walsh. Um, I, and it, I'm just like, you know what? That's actually a nice touch. Like um, this kind of, uh, it, it's it's something that makes you like automatic, almost automatically be like, oh no, this is mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah. And well, uh, it, it's also juxtaposed really cool later in the episode when Professor Walsh is watching Buffy fight the demons that she's trapped her with, with that exact same like unblinking detachedness um this like scientific um distance yeah no like i like i said professor walsh is such a tour de force of villainy in this episode Mm -hmm. which again is why i'm so frustrated yeah but uh (laughs) so spike goes to giles for help um this is after giles has been uh sold a a boost bar from xander and um i'm not gonna lie when Anya said, ew, after Xander listed off the flavor almond licorice, I said the exact same thing. That sounds fucking gross. Like, I, I'm pretty sure if I tried something that anything that was almond licorice flavored, I'd throw up immediately. Because, yeah. So I really love this. Um, so earlier in the bronze Anya's annoyed that Xander's trying to sell these bars. And Xander's like, okay, let me explain it to you. If I sell the bars, I get money. I get to spend that money by taking you places and buying you nice things. And Anya thinks about it for a second. She's like, okay, I support you then. And then in this scene, when he's trying to like sell Giles the things, and uh, Anya basically just goes, why don't you just tell him you're doing this so you can buy me things? <laughs> and and when she says that, Giles just goes, ugh, fine, I'll buy them. <laughs> and and I, just, I love that Anya just, she kind of gestures like, see, I told you that would work. <laughs> I love that um, later when they're trying to get the tracer out of Spike, that both Xander and Anya are eating the boost bars. <laughs> I saw that. So good. These, these it, boost it bars a, are a fun, like, little comedic thread. Yeah, um, like, this it, is, it is a surprisingly successful prop. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, Giles ends up getting the maple walnut, uh, which is probably the one that I would have chosen, and it apparently did not taste good. Yeah, he, he but, tells the editor to get out of my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Have you ever just disappointed so mu- someone so much that like get out? <laughs> I saw a um I, I saw a thing on Reddit um that was uh, have you ever seen that meme of like Gordon Ramsay with like a kid and he's like, No, they're there, like everything's fine, you're you're doing great and then like co- composed or contrasted with Gordon Ramsay um calling someone a fucking donkey yeah um so it was that meme and it was giles talking to buffy giles talking to xander (laughs) (laughs) it's so true he hates xander i I think at this point most of the hatred has actually gone away and now it's just like i i mean i like you but damn it you annoy me yeah he's we all have resigned like you're in my life i love you but you know in Lady Bird when she's like her mom's like I love you I just don't know if I like you. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's 
kind of where Riley, or not Riley. I feel like that's where Giles and Xander are at this point. But yeah, um, and uh, but Spike shows up, uh, and he says that um, they shot the initiative, shot him, and he needs their help. And Giles is like, "Oh, really? Why should I help you?" And so uh, Spike ends up giving him back the money. Nice. Yeah, a way Love. to stand your ground, Giles. Um, <laughs> and then the next morning, uh, or like it, it's the morning now, and Buffy wakes up, sees Riley next to her, and she's actually surprised. And this actually made me a little sad because yeah. the last two times that she slept with somebody, uh, she woke up to find that they weren't there. Um, and by slept with, I mean had sex with. Uh, and, um, you know, before Angel turned back time. Uh, okay. But actually, she woke up and Angel wasn't there afterwards either. Um, oh, that's gone. right. Jesus, the bar is set so low for these men. <laughs> Just stay in the bed. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a naked woman next to you. Not only that, a naked Sarah Michelle Geller. I mean, you're... you're you're in a good spot. Don't leave it. And Riley didn't. So, yeah, you know, like, this is another moment where I'm like, ah, Riley's not bad in this episode. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, that's, that's a nice little touch that they added that, um, of Buffy waking up and, and actually being super thankful that Riley is still there. Yeah. Um, Buffy asks Riley if he knows about 314, um, which uh, Willow had reminded Buffy about earlier with um because that is what ethan rain found out in uh a new man and buffy initially kind of dismissed it she's like why should we trust ethan rain but apparently it's sticking with her yeah uh and riley this is when riley says hey i don't ask questions um riley gets a call from professor walsh and uh and so um he actually has to go he finds out that uh, Hostel 17, a.k.a. Spike, uh, has been traced. So she gets him to lead a team to go find him. Mm-hmm. Um, it also just should be pointed out that, um, because it does become important later, if I remember correctly, um, they are woken up by his alarm clock, which is his signal to take uh, a regiment of vitamins. Ah, uh, yes. I forgot about that. That is important. Um oh. But uh, right before spooky vitamins, (laughs) right before, um, right before uh, Riley uh, talks to Professor Walsh at the initiative, he does see, um, he does look in the restricted access, the window in the restricted access door, and sees the door that says three one four. So he knows that something's up. Um, It's interesting that Buffy would have that Mm -hmm. knowledge. Do you? suspect and i do think it is i think it's both but um i'm curious which do you think is more influential in her act well walsh's actions later is it um the fact that buffy doesn't just you know take orders comply don't ask questions or is it the fact that buffy is starting to have a clear influence on riley I think, um, ooh, I'm like weighing the options now. Yeah. I think. I'm not uh, sure if I, I'm not, I can't, I'm trying, I'm kind of having a hard time deciding too. 
I think the business part of Walsh thinks that just sees Buffy as a um, a variable that they'll be unable to account for unless she's dead, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. Um, she does have like this plan that she's going through with now, and um, but I th- I think it's easy to see that she has a special relationship with Riley. Yeah, and um, she thinks that he's like he's her most loyal soldier um like basically her go-to guy and um she does mention to dr angleman that uh this that uh she's having that buffy is having an influence on agent finn and um you can see like at the end of the episode um when riley's storming away from her like she is shook yeah 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 yeah, she is shook that he is not obeying her orders so I think it's actually kind of a mixture of both. Yeah. And maybe because um, Walsh is so business first that the fact that it's taking such a personal toll um, that this personal affliction happens, that's probably what hits hardest. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you brought up that conversation with Dr. Engelman because um, she mis- in, in that conversation, she calls him Riley first. And then quickly, like, corrects herself and says, Agent yeah. Finn. So, yeah, we definitely see there that um, she she definitely has a more um, um, personal connection with him. And, it yeah, it's influencing her even in that small way. Um, there is very much a kind of, uh, um, you know, last season we talked about how the relationship between the mayor and Faith was kind of a dark mirror to the relationship with Buffy and Giles. And I think this season we're seeing the same thing between uh, Walsh and Riley and Buffy and Giles. Um, We just don't care about Riley as much as we care about Faith. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You're not wrong. No, no, but that's a really good observation. And uh, something... Again, that I would have loved to have seen play out more. Right? Ah, it's yeah, so. Yeah, you know, I'm so I'm so aggravated this episode. I'm not going to stop bringing that up. Oh. Uh, but Giles is trying to remove the tracer, but uh, and Xander actually uses his military knowledge to point out that it is probably a tracer. Um, and uh, he's like, "Oh, hey, so the soldiers are the initiatives probably are like coming here," and uh, Buffy. When Buffy gets back to the dorm room, Willow is actually coming back as well. And they are both like, mm-hmm. oh, you were out all night. And uh, and we all, and also, um, I didn't notice it before, but I, now that like the Buffy wiki says it, Willow's actually carrying the crystal uh, that, that Tara tried to give her. Tara, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not English. I can't say Tara. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a very, very interesting... Uh, little detail there that I'm not not entirely sure how to interpret it other than it's a clear sign that their relationship is is progressing but I'm not quite sure to what stage that actually is yeah we um and then uh we see this disconnect between Buffy and uh Willow um Mm -hmm. because hey neither of them really kind of want to share about what happened to them the previous night and um buffy get thankfully buffy gets beat by the initiative 
And uh, so she's like, okay, I got to go. Willow gets a phone call from Giles saying that, hey, we need your help. And uh, so she goes to help them out. Uh, Professor Walsh says that there is a uh, there's a class three creature, so not very dangerous, uh, going through some of the sewers. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, it'll be like it'll be a really easy mission. Um, we want you to wear this uh, this uh, com cam that they had originally talked about earlier so check off smoking com cam very Uh, aliens Um, yes uh and uh she'll be like oh i'll be in complete contact with you and she does give her a um one of the uh taser weapons and uh says you know it's probably not even going to be a demon if it is it'll be very small yeah but uh it'll probably be a raccoon a raccoon i love Um, the way she said raccoon i was very just i don't know there i I like the word raccoon, and I—I I don't know. I was—I I was like, I like the way you said that, Lindsay Krause. Uh, it's just a weird observation I had while watching the episode. A raccoon, <laughs> or not a raccoon? I don't say raccoon. <laughs> I also just—I really like think raccoons. that's actually the way that I normally say it. Um, here's I a question. It, here's it. something that has been like I've been thinking about for a while for some reason. Do you say cauliflower or cauliflower? Oh, I don't know. Me, gosh, now I'm just like, oh. Uh, How do I say it? I'm just gonna say it, and we'll find out. Cauliflower. There you go. So you don't put emphasis on that I. No, um, I guess I don't. It, it's really interesting. Like I was watching a cooking video, and um, they were talking about making cauliflower rice, and uh, but he was constantly saying cauliflower, and I'm like, that's weird. It sounds like you're overpronouncing it. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, yeah. who am I? Who am I to uh, question how people pronounce things? Uh, but Buffy ends up going on this mission. And when she gets into the sewer, um, the, there are doors that slam shut. And the two demons that she had seen earlier are now um, going after her. And that's when Buffy puts it together. They're like, oh, also when she fires the stun weapon, yep. uh, it doesn't, doesn't work. work. Yeah, so that's when she puts it all together. Like, hey, I think Professor Walsh is trying to kill me. Um, and uh, the Hostel 17 mission was given to Riley specifically to keep him away from this. Mm-hmm. Um, Willow, fortunately, is able to show up. And uh, she's able to uh, cast an ionizing spell that <laughs> uh, throws off the tracer signal. And also gives everybody crazy, crazy hair. It's... <laughs> so funny um except spike it doesn't give spike that hair his I, gel is too, too strong yeah it's like too 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 gelled down uh my <laughs> personal favorite was anya's hair um because i actually thought it, it was weird because everyone else's was kind of messy but i thought anya's hair was kind of chic like that <laughs> like like it it was even and um like i was like damn girl you look good <laughs> So what um he is Giles able to get the uh to get the tracer out of Spike and uh uh Xander flushes it down the toilet and uh when they finally when the spell wears off the uh Riley's tr- Riley and Force are trying to locate it but they none of them see it and Riley realizes oh it was flushed. Yep. So, this scene 
also reminded me of aliens when they've they're they're tracking the aliens and they're like oh my god they're coming right for us they're on us and then they realize that they're in like the um i i honestly think they're gonna be plenty of uh parallels between aliens and the commanders <laughs> of the initiative yeah I'm just throwing <laughs> that out there right might now. be on but purpose I, but hey i i love aliens me it's too such a good movie um, it gets referenced Buffy, on here a lot. <laughs> Buffy uh, is fighting the demons, and uh, eventually the uh, the screen shows the heart monitor. Buffy's heart monitor goes uh, goes flat, and the and the uh, camera hits the ground. Uh, when Riley comes back, Professor Walsh ends up saying. Sorry about this, but I'm, I hate to inform you that Buffy died. Uh, she went off on her own after two demons, and they killed her. What actually happened was uh, Buffy was able to use that defective uh, taser rifle and throw it into water that the demons were standing in mm-hmm. and get them electrocuted. So good thinking on her part. Love to see it. Yeah. And, uh, and while... Professor Walsh is just lying through her teeth. Riley looks at the screen and sees uh, Buffy picking up the camera. And yeah, that was just so a good. great scene in general. Well shot. It's especially so good. Especially the look of horror on Walsh's face when um, when Buffy tells her, clearly you don't know what it takes yeah. to, to kill a slayer. Um, you're going to learn. Yeah. And yeah i love how the focus of the camera at first is on professor walsh and her monitors are just out of focus in the background but as she's telling her lie you see buffy pick up the camera and look into it and then you get like the cut to um riley seeing that happening and then you go back to that original shot of walsh with buffy still in the background and when Buffy says, like, Professor Walsh, blah, 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 it still focuses on Walsh just for, like, a couple seconds as we get her look of, oh, fuck, before going into, like, the full focus onto Buffy in the full screen. It's yep. so, so, so good. So Riley sees this, and then he just, as we mentioned before, he walks out on Walsh, and she's like, Agent Finn, I order you to come back, but he doesn't, so... She is shook. Yeah. Um, and, and she's uh, like screaming his name. It is yeah. so, so far removed from any behavior we've seen from her. She's so composed yeah, most of yeah, the time. She's, yeah. Now she's reached like a point of desperation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The um, only time I've, we've ever seen her like lose her composure um, was when um, she was running from Oz and Veruca, <laughs> and when she was running from Giles as the Fiarl demon. Like those are the only times we've ever seen her, like not like, yeah. <laughs> of course, those so, moments were more comedy than um, than this one. But <laughs> so Spike um, is talking with the others and saying that oh, I didn't think the uh, and uh, I think. Uh, willow somebody mentions that uh i guess the initiative is more dangerous than we thought and uh and uh giles is telling spike that he's not safe and buffy comes in and says no none of us are safe Mm -hmm. and uh walsh 
meanwhile, is beside herself with rage. So much so that, like, I love when she says, I've put all this together. I'm not going to let some little bitch destroy it. I love that, like, she is in beast mode now. Mm -hmm. Like, that is... Like I said, we have such an amazing progression of villainy in this episode. And if it had been spread out over a little bit longer, then Mm -hmm. it would have been even better. Well, it's just you're so pumped by the end of this episode. You're like, holy shit, what is Professor Walsh gonna do next? And then the answer is fucking nothing. Yeah, she is ready to unleash Adam on Buffy. And then Adam wakes up. And kills her with the with the arm blade from the Polgara demon. And as Maggie Walsh is falling to the ground, he says, Mommy. Mommy. And the episode ends. Mommy. (laughs) You okay? (laughs) Mommy. Yes, I'm fine. I just (laughs) Um It's the mommy thing just it's a little much for me, personally. It, it, it is the first time that something with Adam falls flat. It will not be the last. <laughs> yeah. But oh, yeah, goodness. that is the I in team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been talking, I've been saying my opinions throughout this episode. But oh my gosh, this would have been... I was... Had this gone another way, if the last scene hadn't happened... I would be willing to give it a five out of five. Wow. Okay. I'm not going to. Yeah, because everything involving the initiative came to a head in this episode and the evolution of Professor Walsh from mentor to flat out villain was great. But then all of it was thrown away in those last few seconds with Professor Walsh being killed. And I feel like it could have been done so much better. I'm not saying Professor Walsh had to survive the season. She could have been killed by Adam just like at the end. Mm-hmm. But, and that is why it's so frustrating. And that's why it knocks this episode down to like knowing what I know about the rest of the season. It knocks this episode down to a, I'm going to give it a four out of five. Uh, uh, tracers that are ready to play rock the Casbah. Mm. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's we're getting into the part of the show where it's becoming more and more difficult uh to talk about individual episodes um and to not let future events um influence our discussions. The, particularly I think seasons 5 and 6. It's those are going to be very interesting discussions to have of like how do we do that? But but even here, Hell, yeah, the season like, four finale is going to be rough. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, it's just it's such a good episode. Every character uh, gets good material to work with. Um, we're 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 not even really that down on Riley or Xander in this episode. Um, and no, I have to say, like Xander is Xander is actually great in this episode. Yeah. Between between like the boost bars joke. Um, the fact that he is showing concern about Buffy, but not to the extent that Willow is, which I think is a good choice mm-hmm. because, um, if they'd both been showing so much concern for Buffy, then it really kind of would have 
made them come off as dependent on Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the fact that it's just Willow at this moment. And um, also, like, yeah, Xander, I gotta say, props to Xander for throwing that, for throwing, for flushing that tracer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was half expecting him to just, like, throw it out a window or something. But <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, clear thinking. Um, yeah, I'm, this is a four for me, too. Really good episode. Um, just really, really disappointing ending. And yeah, just leading into the rest of the season, which you know still has good stuff like there is still some stuff to look forward to but as far as its main arc goes adam the is quality, just uh yeah the quality yeah. of the arc is about to take a huge downturn yeah. and that is mostly down to adam he's boring he's and and is it it also just it doesn't help that his introduction to us is yeah um killing off a character we just spent a lot of time building up as to be this great villain who we were so excited to get to see do more and then can go mommy um, i'll never get over that so uh, uh, yeah. is there oh uh, sorry uh, what were you cool. gonna rate it i was just saying i think this is um four unsubtle frankenstein homages out of five nice do we have a gay agenda this week you know, I was thinking about it, and it's like, I don't want to get too reliant on Tara and Willow for my gay agenda, but... Spike Spike does spend a lot of this episode with his shirt off. He does. And they are tending to... It's a, it's a surgery, not a <laughs> wound, though. So, yeah, that didn't really do much for me, though. <laughs> Um, we had got some shirtless Riley. I'm fine with that. I, I don't know. Just this episode didn't feel outside of for. I guess I guess it's Forrest. I think his jealousy of Buffy. Um, he's very jealous, and whatever that motivation may be. <laughs> yeah, um, it feels gay to me. Uh, <laughs> a lot of things feel gay to you, though. I'll, they do, uh, and I go out of my way to make things gayer. Um, <laughs> that you do, sir. That you do. Uh, uh, this world better be much gayer when I die than when I, when I was born. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna. I guess my gay agenda is forest, but I don't know. I'm just not feeling super super strong about about gayness this week. Um, it is, I, think, I mean, there's a lot of like straight stuff going on with uh with um the spanking and. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean. Maybe it's Willow's yeah. desire to be spanked is my There you go. Yeah, I think that that's go. it. That's it. Thanks for th- thank you for talking through this with me. I mean, it, what are friends for? <laughs> this exactly this. Well, uh, do you have anything else? I uh, not really. Um, no, I think I think I'm good. All right. Thank you for joining us on Booze and Buffy. We'll be back next week with Angel Season 1, Episode 13, She. Listeners, you should know. And some of you already <laughs> do, because you listened to our Hot Takes episode. She is my least favorite episode of Angel, and I was thinking about it today. She is my least favorite episode of the Buffyverse. Oh, I was like, well, guys, get ready for it to be eviscerated. <laughs> yeah. I was like, do I? Because I was thinking about what my least favorite uh, Buffy episode is, um, which for listeners who don't remember or don't know, it's season seven, 
the killer in me. And I was like, which of these episodes do I hate more? And I had to come away with she. It's, yeah. I don't, I, I we'll talk about it next week. I'm Harrison. Yep. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman and on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman. That's spelled C-O-F-F-M-A-N. I also write a blog, horrorbyharrison.blogspot.com, uh, where I review a different horror movie every week. This week, um, uh, ironically, considering what our subject matter was uh, on last week's episode, uh, I reviewed Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of funny. As I was writing it, I was like, wow, I went really hard on uh, expecting for using the, like, mystical involuntary pregnancy uh, trope. And I'm sitting here writing a super positive review of Rosemary's Baby. (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't... I'm no horror expert, but I feel like in Rosemary's Baby, it's it's used to better effect it is than um, than just like like it's not a plot device it is the plot yeah and have you, uh, you've seen rosemary's baby right i have and i've read yeah, the book too i mean too i can see it right here it's on my shelf right next to uh let the right one in and uh but it's between yeah let the right one in and the last battle of the narnia series my library is uh in the other room uh but yeah um i I really enjoyed rosemary's baby despite the fact of you know all the stuff with roman polanski yeah that uh, was uh that was i was like but hey i'm jason you can find me on instagram at yami j357 and on twitter at just plain old yami j uh don't miss my new disney plus original series in which i and famous muppet fozzie bear discuss Fashion choices of the 1980s. Just look for Waka Flocka Seagull's Hair. You can find us on Facebook, (laughs) Instagram, and Twitter at Booze and Buffy, or you can email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. That was pretty good, by the way. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Also, don't forget to subscribe and rate and review us on the Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Each week, we like to give a shout-out to a worthy charity or nonprofit. This week, we're highlighting Puppies Behind Bars. Aw, puppies! Yeah, in jail. (laughs) Um, Puppies Behind Bars trains prison inmates to raise service dogs for wounded war veterans and first responders, as well as explosive detection canines for law enforcement. Um, If anyone has watched uh, Orange is the New Black. That's actually a plot line in, um, I can't remember what season, but, uh, oh, what's her name? Leah Delaria's character, uh, du- participates in this program or probably a copyright friendly version of this program. Anyway, uh, visit www.puppiesbehindbars for more information. And I'm just like picturing a little puppy with like, like an old timey black and white striped jail uniform. And he's like, I was thinking of like a puppy with a uh, police hat on. Oh. Uh, either way, it's adorable. Oh, um, now I'm just thinking about puppies. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I have to say that um, this last uh, fake thing that I made up, the Waka Flocka Seagull's hair, that might be the uh, most proud thing that I've done in this That's whole good. bit. That's good. <laughs> All right. 
with all of that being said, go slay and be gay. Goodbye. Goodbye.